0: So let me ask you a question. Thank you, worship team. Uh, When is it uh, appropriate to lie? Just think about it. When is it appropriate to lie? Uh, So we're going to talk about if we're going to live like Jesus. That's one big area that we're going to deal with today. Um, If you were to say to me, I have never told a lie, that'd be a lie. I found out in my study that men lie more than women. Does that surprise any of you? You know? (laughs) Men lie about uh, a day about 1.97, 1.97 times. Women lie about 1.43 times. So just slightly less. Um, Men sometimes are put on the spot. Like if your spouse asks you, have you ever looked at another woman and thought that she was prettier than me? Now, sir... What creative answer have you come up with? (laughs) So we know that in dealing with this particular issue, it was a big issue with Jesus because if you don't know the truth, then you're bound and you're destined for eternity and hell. But to know the truth, the truth shall what? Set you free. So we know that human nature will set up opportunities and avenues that will help us. And Jesus is is dealing with that in our last message in the series of Jesus' Kind of Life. How many of you know two Sundays ago what I used for an illustration? Anybody? M&M's. M&M's. How many of you know what I used for an illustration last week? Pizza. That's good. I can tell you that the first service did not remember So, as a result of that, I don't have an illustration since they didn't remember anyway. It won't matter. You also remember, I said, some said Jesus is a great teacher. Okay? He's a great teacher. Boy, I mean, when he speaks and when he teaches, people are moved. There was another part of the, uh, of the culture that said, no, he, he is a great teacher. But not only is he a great teacher, he is the Son of God. He is the Redeemer. He's not just a teacher. He is the Redeemer of the world. And Jesus is finding out that coming out of the old law, some were so attached to the law, they didn't understand the truth of what it might be considered redemption. They didn't understand that. And so he begins to address in Mark chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, these words. He said, he replied, now he's going back to the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you what Isaiah says in a moment. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, what? Hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. What does that mean? To accommodate life, human nature has the ability to create its own set of rules. So you hold on to the rules of men. And Jesus began to teach about, here's truth, and this is not truth. Here's the will of God, and this is not the will of God. And he said that there are those individuals that live totally by just the basic rules and the basic guidelines. In California, uh, I I read in the study for the message there, there is kind of a handbook that says the rules of the road. And if you want it early on and get a driver's license, you got to be familiar with a little handbook called the rules of the road. And what it does, it gives you you guidelines uh, of what to do under certain situations this happens to you while driving, here's the guideline, here's what you uh, ought to do. And it's just technically head knowledge. Understand the rules of the road. Has nothing to do with the heart. You don't have to like the rules of the road. How many have ever done something that someone asked that you didn't want to do, but you did it anyway? May I see your hand? There you go. Uh, Hopefully you didn't make that decision when you got married. But the point is that we often do things that we don't want to do right? That's why the alarm clock often has a snooze buddy. Everybody know? How many many of you are just reckless and you hit the snooze button a lot? Okay, I never would have thought it about you. Just never would have. The rules of the road. So here's what happens. Let's assume that a California highway patrolman comes and pulls you over and he says, hey, I just was thinking when you went by, something said to me that you have the rules of the road, but you really don't have them in your heart. Do you mind if I offer a prayer to you that will cause you not only to love the rules of the road, but to have them in your heart? You understand? They're not going to pull you over and say, okay, let me ask you this question. Is there a longing in your heart to apply the rules to the road? Well, you're going to say, no, they don't do that. Mark 7, this is what it's saying to each of us. He says, you live. Hey, you honor me with your lips, but it's not down in your heart. Your heart is far from me. You worship me. You're bound by the letter of the law, teaching human precepts as doctrines, and you abandon the commitment to God, and you hold to human tradition. So what's the greatest commandment? Well, the greatest commandment, here it is. They could recite it. It was right here. They could, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then there's something else you ought to do. And what was that? You ought to love your neighbor. You ought to love your neighbor. That's important. He said, you have that down headwise." He said, you Jews over here, I'm coming in and I'm telling you the Gentiles matter. Now, what about that law that came out of Judah? What about it? love the Lord? you got to hold your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. Do you not consider a Gentile your neighbor? Oh, wait a minute. I'm a Jew. Gentiles don't matter. That's a fact. Well, you just said, love the Lord. you got to all your mind, soul, and strength. But you don't love them? Nope. We never have loved them. We're not going to start now loving them. Jesus said, I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you that that what you're believing is a lie and does not fall into the realm of of redemption. And he said, if you obey the rules, then he said, here's what some people do. You say, I'll obey the rules, but you ride them. How many have ever been out on a four-lane highway in the middle of nowhere, four-lane with a big old wide grassy median out there, and the speed limit is 50 miles an hour? I mean, 50 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, what in the world would cause this four-lane highway with this grassy median to be 50 miles an hour? Some engineer sat in his office somewhere and said, okay, we'll put 50 miles an hour. It's never been on that patch of road. And then you would say, I think I'll write my own rule. I'm not an engineer, but I'm actually the one out here driving up and down this four-lane highway. I decide... I'm going to make the speed limit 80. You with me? Going to make it 80. All right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to go change all the signs 80. So what have I done? I say, hey, here's the rule. You get pulled over by our Florida highway patrolman. He said, sir, the speed limit here is 50. No, it's not. It's 80. He said, sir, it's 50. I just looked in my handbook. I have it. This area is 50 miles an hour. Sir, I know what you're talking about, but it is 80. He said, where'd you get that from? I said, I made it up. (laughs) It's my rule. Sir, you cannot do that. You can't just arbitrarily go out and change the speed limit to suit your fancy. Jesus said, here's what y'all do. You see, he was from the South. (laughs) Kitty. It's what y'all do y'all make up your own rules that fit how you want to do it. And he said, so you honor me with your lips. But he said, it's not in your heart. You're just obeying there. Have you not had a heart transformation? And Mark 7 says the same thing. Remember, he said, Isaiah said, now we go to Isaiah. Isaiah 29, verse 13. These people, it's almost the same. These people come to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only by the rules. Here it is, taught by men. The rules you set for yourself. So teenager mom and dad's rule is eleven o'clock. You ought to be home by eleven o'clock. How many of you think that's a pretty decent rule? By eleven, do I have eleven thirty? Do I have midnight? Here you go. But a young person says Hey, Mom, Dad, your rule at 11 o'clock, I really don't agree with it. So I'm going to set the rule at 12 o'clock. So here's what I'm going to do. The rule is now 12 o'clock. Your rule is 11 o'clock. And that young person, that young person comes in at 12 o'clock. Now, what's dad and mom going to do? Let me tell you something, sport. The rule here is 11 o'clock. I know mom and dad, and I love you so much, but that's your rule. My rule's 12 o'clock. And since it's my rule, and since I'm the one that's out, since I'm the one that's got to come in, that's the rule that I choose to function with. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think that parent is going to manage that situation? Well, son, I want you to want you, thank you so much for enlightening your old mama and me. I mean, we thought 11 o'clock was good, but I guess our rule is obsolete these days in the modern culture. So, you know, uh, 12 o'clock, if that's when you want to come in, you just go right ahead What does that teach that child? You can make up whatever rule you want, and we'll just acquiesce to it. Do you know what God is saying? These are my rules. The rules that you obey is because you think you have to obey them, so you obey with your lips, but you don't want to do it with your heart. Now, any right person, mom and dad, in their right mind, I can tell you, friend, are going to say, well, listen here, sport, let me just tell you something. The bottom line is, if you are residing under this roof, if you are putting your feet under that table, if your mom and I are putting clothes on your back, if in fact we are paying for the fuel in your car, if we are paying for the insurance in your car, if we are putting you through school and you're going to school, if you want extra things like something to eat, we pay for that. And when I say 11, ac- pardon me for getting exercise, if I say to you that 11 o'clock. Ac- clock is when you're going to be here. You better have your feet inside this house. Anybody with me? i the only one. Have y'all changed so much? That's not a good idea. So here's what he's saying in the scripture. I make the guidelines. My guidelines are supernatural and there's a reason for everything that I say. There's a reason you may not understand that you may not agree with, but if it's my guideline, you pay attention to it. And if you're going to pay attention to it, don't fold your arms up and just pucker your lips out and get angry because you don't want to do it. I want you to not only obey it, but I want your heart in it. Matthew 5:33. Here he goes. He said again, "You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, don't break your oath." Now I'm going to give you some insight. Don't break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by J- stool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Now, we have to alter that a little bit these days. (laughs) Because we know that many of you can change white hair to black hair, white hair to red hair, white hair to auburn hair. You can do that these days. And let me just say while I'm fishing, I'm probably already in trouble. If you're going to get the dye out, be sure a professional does it. Don't put your head in the sink on Saturday night and then come walking in and you still got dye all over your ears and there and inside because you didn't do a good job. How many understand what I'm saying? You say, Pastor, you just crossed the line right there. Here I am. Shoot me. And you guys watch out. Let me move on. I'm in trouble. I need to move. Here he goes. Simply yet let your yes be what? And your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What does he mean here? What's he teaching? Here's the illustration you can experience. He said, if it's yes, it's yes. If it is no, no it's no. That's really, really, you don't have to figure it out. Yes is yes, and no is no. You ever heard uh, children, they'll they use these words, do you promise? Mom and dad says, hey, I'll tell you what, you clean your room up, clean your room up, here's what you're going to do. If you do a really, really good job, we're going to take you in and we're going to see a movie, Peter Rabbit, or whatever it is. And we're going to go, whatever it is. I'm going to get you an ice cream. You know what students learn, kids? You promise? Do you promise? Why, why do kids early on have to say that? Can I tell you what the study shows? That far too many parents have made promises in order to take care of the moment, but did not fulfill the promise. And the student then says, Now who do I trust? So, do you promise? Yeah, too. You know what? Children can't conceive early on. They can't conceive an adult breaking their promise because the matter of truth and what it is comes from the parents. That's how they identify truth. Daddy, you say it. Mom, you say it. That just must be the truth. Here's something else often that they do. If you're not totally convinced of something that the child says, Did you clean clean the bathroom up and your room? And did you do it all by yourself? I promise. Are you sure? Sure, Dad, I promise. You really? No, I promise. I promise. For sure? Dad, I promise. Mom, I promise. And cross my heart and, and hope to die. And you still look puzzled about whether they're telling the truth. Well, I promise I cross my heart and hope to die and stick a, a needle in mine. What difference does it make? You stick it in a dead person, hope to die. I promise. So, so you go through all of that. Why is that? Because we have a culture today that has not let their yes be yes and their no be no. He said, You won't have the challenges that you have in culture unless you nail that down. How many's ever been to court? How many ever had to witness at court? How many ever watched Perry Mason? <laughs> Good. Well, thank God. So what they do, so I'm told, raise your right hand, put your left hand over here, and repeat after me. Say this: I promise to tell the truth. The whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Why do not you just say, I promise to tell the truth, period? Why do they have to go on and say, "Ah, oh, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Why do they have to do that? Because culture in the court system, and many people know, hey, if you don't nail it down specifically, here's what carnality will do. It'll figure a way out not to have to take the heat. It'll figure a way out because I just told a little white lie. So here we go, that birth, deception, so we swear by the oath, why is that necessary? We know that there there might be some instances with which you are challenged. Shall I tell the truth here or not? Let's say you get caught for speeding. You use a lot of speeding deals. That's Some people think I I get caught for speeding. That's what some people think. I get that I get caught for speeding. Not if I can help it. (laughs) Sir, did you know the speed limit here? I haven't seen a speed sign lately. What is it, officer? 60 miles an hour. Yes, sir. Officer, it used to be... 70? I thought it used to be 70. No, sir, it's been 60 miles an hour a long, long time. Did you know you were speeding? Ah, man, I was so busy listening to contemporary Christian music. I just got carried away in the spirit. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you, sir. I couldn't have been going over the speed limit much. No, sir. I, 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 I didn't know. How fast do you think you were going over the speed limit? Well, officer, I don't, you know, I, I get, if you say I was speeding, I was speeding. Yes, sir, you were. You're going 90. <laughs> 90. Yes, sir. You're going 90. Officer, I have never gone 90 in my life. Consistently. Well, I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you. Now, now listen to me. Tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You're willing to sell the integrity of your honesty for a $250 ticket? Or here's another. You want more? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor. We, are, we were just late to church. We live in South Lakeland, you know. We just got here late. Traffic is so bad. You, you just couldn't imagine on Sunday morning how bad the traffic is out there. And not only that, that drawbridge between South Lakeland and North Lakeland, <laughs> the thing got stuck in the up position and we couldn't get through. Really? Where, where is that drawbridge at? I've never seen it. Or here's another. So you help me out now. Your spouse, sir, asks you, How do you like my hair? <laughs> you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God what are you going to say when you were just thinking your hairdresser must have been drunk or high on drugs because you got a rooster cocktail spread up there and the back of your hair looks like the back end of a duck I don't know what happened so what are you going to say are you going to describe it like that she just asked how do you like my hair what you going to say what you going to say you know, are you ready to go, dear? We're supposed to be at your, your mom and dad's house here. And if you know, answer the question. Well, let me just tell you this, sweetie. I have looked at a lot of women and their hair. And when I gaze upon your face and I see your co I can't imagine anyone looking better to me than you look right now. Now, listen, ladies, cut him some slack and let him leave town right there. Okay? Just cut him some slack. Now, I have some people that come in for counseling because, get this now, the husband is brutally honest. You see what I'm saying? Brutally honest. So when she comes up, and she comes up and she says, let me ask you a question, sweetie. You know, do you think I look fat in this outfit, do you think this makes me look fat? Fat? What you going to say? Huh? What you going to say? Listen, darling, what you going to say? What you going to Do you think I look fat in this? Huh? Listen, sweetie, I want to tell you something. I've seen a lot of big women in my life. And all those big old women I've seen, you're not even close. (laughs) No, darling. Do you think I look fat in this outfit? What? You're not saying anything. I know I'm thinking. (laughs) I made a commitment in church to tell the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So if you ask me a question like that, darling, you ask me a question like that, and I were to tell you what the devil is whispering in my ear, and I'm trying to rebuke him right now, because what he's telling me is to tell you a lie. And I'm rebuking him in Jesus' name. And if you really love me, here's what I'd like for you to do, sweetie. Withdraw the question. (laughs) Just withdraw the question. How many of you women think you would be able to do that? No, you know why? You want to nail him to the cross. (laughs) And let me just tell you something else, since I'm already in trouble. If you didn't think, well, never mind. If you didn't think that you didn't look real good in that dress, then you would have never asked the question to begin with. Amen? So ask him questions that you can help him tell the truth. You say, darling, I know that in this dress, I look just a little fat. But i got to tell you something. I know that you love every carpuscle. You love every blood vein. You love my cellulite. You love all that stuff. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate. Somebody put your hands together and say, wow, that would be a miracle. Tell the truth, the whole truth, <laughs> and nothing but the truth everybody with me? So where does it start? Now, here's what kids do. They will cross their fingers. Did you clean your room? Yep. Well, you got a bathroom? Nope. Did you clean your room? I did. Well, don't cross your fingers. See, is there ever a time when we shouldn't just tell the truth? Now here's the scriptures coming to me, be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. All right? So do you think I look fat in that outfit? You answer and you say, you know what, you're asking me a question that you probably already know the answer, but I want to tell you, I don't really care what you look like. You're the one that I fell in love with. You're the one that I adore. You're the one that I care about more than anybody else. And it wouldn't matter to me if you put 50 pounds on. I'd still love every inch of you. I'm sweating up that one, I'm telling you. It's really tough. Here we go. A culture in which the truth would never be told, is a culture that it would be impossible to live in. So here's what some of them did. They said, I promise by the city of Jerusalem, or I promise by, by my head. Matthew 23:16 offered just another little take. Here he is, woe to you blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple... It means nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, he's bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who answers by the altar swears by it, and by everything on it and he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it and he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne by the one who sits on it here's what he's saying stop playing games yes yes no no Matthew 5 37 don't do that anymore if it is the truth you don't have to swear on anything if it's the truth, the truth always bears witness. He said, here's the problem. We twist, twist words. We don't tell the whole truth. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get the deceit out of your heart where you make up guidelines and rules that you know that you can obey that. But you know that that rule that you have made up is not in alignment with the Word of God. You are serving me with your mouth, but you're not serving me with your whole heart. My rules, are, my rules are sacred and have a purpose. I read the story and studied for the message. You know, the pastor who told his secretary, he said, my bathroom in my office now is named Disney. If anyone calls you, let me know who it is. If I don't want to talk to him, I'll just get up out of my chair, walk in my bathroom, and you can tell him he's not available. He's at Disney but so said, what a creative way. That is deceit. That's a lie. That's why a lot of bars that you drive by, I saw one the other day at the office. That's the name of the bar. Hi, darling. Uh, I know I'm running late, but I'm, I'm at the office. You drunk skunk? <laughs> Jeremiah said, this is what we have to deal with the heart is devious and deceitful above all else. And our heart many times has deceived us and has been deceitful. And we know that the heart is also capable of love. It's capable of compassion. It's capable of truth. It's capable of tenderness. But you said, if you're not careful, the heart will deceive you. It's deceitful unless Jesus Christ Becomes the Lord of the kingdom of your heart. Will that make you absolutely not guilty in everything? No. But it will give you a ticket to be able to say, God, you know that I have faltered and I have failed. But I need your help and forgiveness. You see, we deceive through our words that we speak, and we can deceive through words that we omit. That's why you tell the whole truth. We can deceive by by our gestures or by the tone of our voice. You see, what it means is when we have to deceive, we want our own way. We want to manage that situation by ourselves. We want our own way. I want my way. I want to avoid the pain. I want to move forward. Jesus is saying, if that's your goal, you'll be like culture itself. You won't be any differently. I had a young man sit in my office, true story one time. He was in a situation in which he was apprehended and caught, and he sat there and wept and wept and wept. He said, I don't know when I've ever told the truth. I've always lied. I don't know that I've ever been a moment that I actually told the truth. I just lied, 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 lied. My whole life, I'm just one liar after another. I thought I never had somebody come forth with such great confession. He is a youth pastor today in a church. I thought, what redemption power to sit there and have to deal with that. The most famous story as it relates to uh, truth in America The famous story is about uh, American history is George Washington and the what? Cherry tree. George's daddy comes home. Cherry tree's down. George is standing there with a hatchet in his hand. George, who chopped down this tree? George, did you do that? And little George standing there with a hatchet in his hand, said, I I cannot tell a lie. I cannot tell a lie. Now let me share a reality with you. That story was written by a guy named Parson Weems in the early 19th century. In his biography, The Life of George Washington, And it never really happened. The irony of this is the most famous story about truth-telling in American history is, in fact, a lie. That incident never did take place. I cannot tell a lie. But let me show you how culture works just for a moment. In the 60s, something hit us in our culture in American history called the credibility gap. It really first started, there was already a credibility gap, but not the way it was known now and actually impacted the American culture in the 60s. Firstly, um, Eisenhower was the president and he made a promise. We were sp- sending spy planes and spying on Russia. And, and there was a big uproar about that. And finally, Eisenhower went publicly and said, Listen, there are no more spy planes and no longer will we send spy planes into Russia or any nation of the world. We just don't do that. Shortly thereafter, one of our spy planes was brought down in Russian territory and it created an angst among the American culture that our leader just lied to us. We had a credibility of our president, and he lied, Move forward, Vietnam War. More lies were told by those in high power, Lyndon Johnson, talking about Vietnam, talking about warfare, talking about the number killed, etc., etc., etc. Many of those who fought in the Vietnam War would not consider to be a war, it's just a battle. We're not battling with anybody in one lie after it created a credibility gap among the American culture. And we know, need I say, that it hasn't stopped and getting worse today in the recent stories that we hear about those in leadership, about lies, about lying to this committee, lying to that committee, and that's the culture in which we live. But where does it stop? Where does it stop? It is, in our culture, in my study, acceptable behavior to lie. But it's not acceptable behavior in this book. But if our children get used to believing that being deceitful and not telling the truth, becomes a way of life for them what kind of future do we have the only antidote is john 1 14 the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son full of grace and truth John, the author of the Gospel of John, knew Jesus. He said truth was essential, and it was part of the character of Jesus. But he said Jesus is full of truth. He's never told of lie. But not only is he full of truth, he said Jesus is the truth and the life and the way. And if you receive him as Lord and Savior, he is the antidote to cause us to live a better life with him than we could ever imagine without him amen Amen. so i'm not telling you to go home today and ask your husband does he think you look fat that's not what i'm suggesting I'm not asking you to go home, ladies, and say, Do you think I look as good as the day you married me? If he's creative, I'm not asking you to set traps. What I am asking you is to look in the mirror and say, What about me? What about me? And I'm asking you that when you know you have someone in a trap and you know for sure and certain, buddy, I'm going to nail them here. I've got the goods. Just be careful. And remember this. If you were in their shoes, would you like to be treated with compassion? Would you like to be treated with love, would you like to be treated with truth and yet not one of judgment or condemnation but one of love and understanding for if little Johnny or little Susie or little whatever George George did you cut that tree down? I cannot tell a lie. I did. Come here to me. I'm going to tear you up. I'm going to take a limb off this cherry tree and I'm going to whip your behind. Everybody understand the yard talk there? Or come here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my hand and I'm going to spank you. Now, you want what George is thinking. Buddy, that's what telling the truth gets you. So George is thinking, wow, if telling the truth gets me that, I'm going to create a way to miss that pain. So you see, we are our brother's keeper. We are our brothers. Here's how you manage this or manage that. Come here, son. You chop that tree down. Talk to me. Tell me why you think you cut it down. Was it something that possessed you from your mother's side of the family? Was that it? (laughs) What was it, son? Talk to me. Was it just folly? Was it you wanted to prove something with your friends? Look at me. Do you know how long it took that cherry tree to get to the age that it is now? And you chopped its life away. I want you to understand that. And here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to get out together and we're going to plant another tree so that you'll always remember the deed that you did. Come here, George. I'm going to whip you. And that's it. What did George learn? You don't tell the truth. Because even if you tell the truth, you all get spanked. Now, are there times in which that you are guilty and you should not be punished? No. There are times that justice must be served. Everybody with me? But I'm saying always look for an opportunity to learn and to train and have a great outcome. You all with me? Let's stand. Father, thank you now for the love of God. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need your help. There are no uh, perfect people in this room. All of us have erred in many different ways, misunderstandings, etc. God, trust is a part of life. If there is no trust, if trust is not something that people are working toward, there will never be happiness or joy. If the lack of trust cannot be forgiven and moved forward with, it will create chaos. I pray in the name of Jesus you would help our young people today. A culture will not tell them what the truth is, they will tell them a lie every time they turn around. Father, the church needs to be that bastion, that lighthouse in the midst of darkness, that in a loving way says, Hey, everybody, let's live like Jesus lived. Let's try to do better. And knowing that doing better is not by might or power, but doing better is by a relationship of Jesus. And that God, if we really want to grow and we really want to learn, you'll let us do that. You'll let us do that. You'll let us grow and learn if we're willing to listen. So would you speak to every heart? Speak to those that are listening online today by the thousands. Help them, Jesus. Help us. Help us, help us, help us do better than we've done in the past. And let us look to the future and be better than ever. And just in case, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer. Would you do that with me? Just repeat this prayer. Say it with sincerity out of your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, I repent. I ask you today today for forgiveness. forgiveness. I believe by the power of your blood I believe by the power of your blood that you shed on cross I am liberated from my sins you said in your word if I confess with my mouth that I have sinned you would be faithful to forgive me so I'm standing here at the foot of the cross asking you and I believe by faith you have heard my prayer so here is my commitment I will do better Through your grace and mercy, mercy. help me in my pain. Help me in in every circumstance circumstance. to become the person person that brings pleasure pleasure to your heart. heart. In In Jesus' Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray for those who need prayer. Maybe you prayed that prayer because your life was loaded up with sin. And maybe that praying that prayer right there, you felt liberated. Maybe there's something that really has been nagging at you, and this is a moment that God can give you supernatural relief. Remember this, that the only influence that would keep you away from the altar at altar time is the power of darkness because the enemy despises the altar of God. Or maybe you're here this morning and said, I need healing in my body. Here's what the Bible says, if you do, James 5.14, come on down and let them anoint you with oil. Let them pray the prayer of faith. You'll be healed. And I have this special nudge in my heart. If you have grandchildren or children that are really lost, and I'm speaking to the ones that they've been on your heart intensely this past week. I mean, they just felt burdened down for them. Why don't you in your heart bring them down to the altar in your heart and be prayed over And let the power of conviction fall on them. So we'll welcome you to come as we sing this song. And I'll give you the benediction in a moment. Please stay with me until we get to the end. Here we go. You come now.